Now, it's been an interesting few weeks for motor racing all around the world. And, of course, particularly here in the UK, lots of motor racing fans desperate to get back to circuits and lots of drivers and teams equally desperate to get out there and do their stuff. Ben Taylor from the British Automobile Racing Club, BARC, uh, joins me on the line. Great to catch up with you, Ben. Um, it's been, suffice to say, an interesting time for you and your colleagues at the BARC. It's been an interesting time for everybody. Um, and it's very strange, actually, now to be talking to somebody without actually having to see their face. I seem to have spent my life on Zoom in the last three months. Before the suspension of, uh, of motorsport uh, in the UK, which was by way back in March, um, was there a, a lot of dialogue before the big announcement that came around between yourself and uh, Motorsport UK? Not so much with Motorsport UK, to be fair. It was more, I think, individual businesses. If you wind the clock back, and it, it's, it's really strange being back in the office and looking back on the, the three, three and a half months that, that we've been away for. But if you wind back to March probably started to be aware of something that was possibly impending after the half term break i actually went skiing and drove through northern italy um, on my way home and was therefore quite conscious of the fact that people were coming back from there with with some new illness and there were lots of different opinions as to what was going to be going on and uh, there were people in the office who thought well it's just a it's just another dose of flu it, it, this will be something and nothing it, it's just media blowing it all up and other people going, no, actually, the, the information we've got from the, from the medical fraternity suggests that this is a really serious situation that's going to occur. We were trying to weigh up really what it meant. And OK, looking back now, we've all got so much more experience, but, but it's all brand new. And back then in the, in the early and middle part of March, it was moving so fast. And we, we couldn't really get our heads around it. I still can't get my head around what's <laughs> happened in the, in the world. But, but that's after we've seen it for three months. Back then, it was, you just had no comprehension of the fact that we were talking about shutting schools and shutting businesses and stuff like that. So we were talking about it on a daily basis. And we actually made quite a lot of plans about what was going to happen. So we thought that we might, uh, we might not be able to do what we normally do. So we'd probably all be at work for a number of weeks or potentially a month without the ability to do the things that we would normally do. So we actually made a plan as to what we would do if we were effectively locked down but still at work. What are, what are the maintenance tasks that we haven't got round to? What are the projects that we never have enough time to do? What are the initiatives that we need to really take the opportunity to address while, we're, while we can't do the rest of our business? Um, and that lasted pr approximately two days. And it was the weekend of the the 21st 22nd so on the friday uh, i went home and we thought yeah don't worry, we'll we'll tell the people who are slightly older here in the office not to uh, not to come to work um, the following week and then over the weekend we were, we were trying to we were, we were basically trying to do business as normal um, insofar as we could because there was no there was no guidance any other way so just had to keep making um, plans to to continue and it was over the weekend of the 21st 22nd i started to feel really uncomfortable with suggesting to people that they should come back into the office on monday so we actually took the decision on the sunday that we were going to close the offices um and so i came in on the monday morning and we sent everybody home um and that was the 23rd and then i think the prime minister made the announcements on the evening of the of the 23rd and and told us all to to stay home so it it, it kind of it took the decision out of our hands, although we'd already come to the conclusion that if this was what was happening, then there was a way of there's a way of dealing with it and putting the the welfare and the safety of our staff and their families and everybody else um, front and center and 
trying to make sure we make the right decision. And from a practical business point of view, the ability to furlough um, the staff and protect the club must have been an uh, interesting conversation to have. But also, you're, you're very much looking at balancing your involvement in motorsport, safety of everybody, and, of course, the finances. Yeah, well, of course, the furlough scheme came in, what was that, maybe maybe 10 days after after we were uh, we were locked down. I, I can't remember exactly the timing. But that that furlough scheme, make no bones about it. That that furlough scheme has in, has enabled certainly us to weather the storm without. Well, I was going to say without too much of a financial hit. That's that's not strictly true. Had a massive financial hit, but it has it has taken it from impossible to almost manageable. Taking uh, probably three quarters of our staff and putting them on furlough um, has enabled us to reduce the the overhead and the outgoings. Um, to such an extent that it's had a chance of tra- of trading in the future um, and coming out the other side. So that the balance between the business and the people and the money and everything like that is almost almost became a, a secondary consideration. We couldn't trade; simply couldn't trade. So you've just you've just got to suck it up, and we 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 literally had very little option. It was moving so fast; it was actually quite exciting, um, if I'm honest. Um, because when you're involved in that sort of crisis management where you don't quite know where it's going to go from one day to the next and you're trying to keep your finger on all the different kind of information sources, not just coming out of government, but also piecing together the information that you can, you can deduce from other people. You're trying, to, you're trying to process and assimilate all that information at the same time and then translate that into what does it mean for us and what does it mean for our employees, what does it mean for our members, what does it mean for our competitors and what does it mean for... For the, for the wider business uh, and our customers. That, it, it was actually quite exciting. The first four to six weeks of the lockdown were, were very quick moving. Uh, and as I say, quite exciting. We moved quite quickly to secure funding from the government-backed business interruption loans. And our bank at Barclays uh, were absolutely sensational. They, they worked really quickly with us and my um, finance chief here, Claire Murdoch, uh, she spent uh, the first few weeks simply just running the numbers, um, looking at the scenarios, doing the cash flow forecasts and the projections and working with the bank to make sure that they had all the information that they needed. And, and I think we were one of the first to secure that that, um, that government backing, certainly the first one that I knew of. Um, and And that really... It took the pressure off. Mm. Don't don't get me wrong. It didn't uh, it didn't remove the challenge and the problem that we still face. And we now have a, a loan now that will need to be repaid in the course of the next five and a half years. But but you, we'll get to that. You know that's that's kind of the secondary consideration. The first one was mm. to secure the financial um, the financial security of the organisation. But bearing in mind that by the end of June we've probably lost six million pounds of turnover that we would have anticipated by this time um, in the year. Um, and and that's not coming back. How will the business model then look moving forward and how will it impact how, how Bark operates? Because obviously there's some learnings to come from this and some necessity, as, you, as you've uh, quite rightly mentioned. So is that going to, how is that going to inform the way forward? Very simply, the, the company will have to pay back a, a large amount of borrowing in the course of the next five years, which will... Uh, have an impact on our on our ability to to do some other things it's not really a choice that was available to be to be made it was it was necessity 
So you can talk about what we might spend money on uh, elsewhere if we weren't paying back the, uh, the government loan. But it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hypothetical because without the government loan, we might not have been here to, yeah, to yeah. be paying anything back in the first instance. So, um, yeah, I think every business in the country has been going through exactly the same process, which is how long, you know, the first, the first things we did were how long can we survive without any revenue? When do we think we might get some revenue back in? What happens if that revenue doesn't come back in? What's the worst case scenario? And, and where is the peak of our deficit in terms of the cash flow? The business is solid, but it's always money that kills businesses. When you run out of cash, it doesn't matter how much you're worth or how many assets you have. If you don't have the cash to pay your, to pay your bills, um, then you, uh, you, fi- you find yourself in a lot of bother. Obviously, Bark uh, operates venues all around the country, and you've you've mentioned that the maintenance process you've had to go through f- uh, for that. Um, racing returning for you at your circuits in early July. What's been the process to get ready for the championships coming back to the racetracks? We're quite well positioned, actually, in terms of the the crisis that we've all been through, because we're we're both a venue operator and an organising club. So. From the point of view of some of the clubs I know have had track deposits and money tied up with with venues, we've been in that position obviously as an organising club, but equally on the other side of the coin, we are venues holding track deposits from organising clubs. So it's been a good position to be in. I think the diversity of the Bark Group has enabled us to weather this storm stronger than we might have done if we were just a a single, sort of a one-trick pony, if you like. Mm. So we operate the venues, we're an organising club, we also have a, a driving experience um, arm, we have a karting centre. So we're, we're quite well diversified in terms of what it is that we, that we do and what we offer. And all of those businesses support one another, although they're quite different. And the strength of being, I think, part of a group in this position has, um, has given us a bit more, uh, bit more strength and a bit more stability than we would have had if we were just an organising club or just a, a single venue. Uh, I do think the venues are the, the areas that uh, I consider to be the most vulnerable in this. Um, and that's formed part of the conversations that we've had with Motorsport UK um, because their activity, quite understandably, has been focused on their member clubs. But from my point of view, the venues are the top of the food chain or the bottom of the food chain, depending on how you look at it here in that the competitors are going to get their entry fees back for the events that were cancelled. The organising clubs are going to get their track deposits back, even if it's, even if it's a credit note or, or, or real cash, they'll get those back for the, for the meetings that didn't take place, which leaves the venues, the permanent venues, as the, as the, sort of the, the people copping for it, um, and yet still being faced with all of the costs and the maintenance and the upkeep of those permanent venues and absolutely no income coming in um, while people aren't doing anything. I would like to have seen some, um, some support uh, or some recognition of that because for me the permanent venues are, uh, are the place where people go racing um, and without the permanent venues you don't have, you don't have the ability to go racing. Yeah. From the fans' perspective, obviously everybody's uh, eager to know when they can go and watch racing again, and all of the venues around the country are making their own minds up about it at the moment. But when might Bark venues be uh, open to public again? And, and when they do, what sort of uh, protocols and restrictions are going to be in place? There has been a huge amount, as you would expect, of, of discussion and working out what's possible. We've worked quite closely with Motorsport UK. Um, AMRICO, which is the Association of Motor Circuit Operators, 
they, they've been obviously we've been talking about what what all the other um, venues are doing and stuff like that so there's there's a lot of work gone into getting the sport ready to go back racing um, primarily on from motorsport uk that's looked at the competition side and what has uh, and what the processes and the protocols are that will be needed in order to go racing and obviously we're going racing this weekend at cadwell a lot of stuff has changed to reduce the the need for paperwork on the day uh, so that's all being replaced with uh, with online signing on both for marshals and officials and for and for competitors um, how do we distance one another from uh, in, inside the paddock when you're doing judicial activity what does the scrutineering look like uh, how many timekeepers does it need how many people can you get into race control when actually you're meant to be keeping distance from each other so there'll be a whole load of stuff that will change uh, when we go back to racing that 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 will be different and some of it might actually stick after after we've got through this this crisis because we might ask ourselves why are we doing paper signing on for example um, we might say actually this is you can check in online for your for your um, for your flight um, why can't we do it um, for the sport so you know out of adversity always comes change and some of the changes will be for the better because we can't do it like we've always done it but sometimes you have to be forced to make those decisions um, from a spectator point of view we got pretty clear guidance from motorsport uk that in the first instance motorsport would be back behind closed doors um, and I think that was, I think that was the right call. Um, and certainly, I think it would have been a bit early, um, in spite of what everybody is doing in the beaches and the pubs, to necessarily get people back at the same time as as we're going racing again. But we'll keep an eye on it. We're quite optimistic that we might get crowds later in the summer, um, um, able to to return to circuits and. Um, an MSV have, have taken a lead on this with admitting um, their day visitors um, to their venues from the middle of this month. And I think that's, uh, I think that's an interesting um, approach to it. And, uh, and it underlines the fact that, for me, the, the government advice is never going to be specific enough to come down to our level and tell us exactly what we as motor racing venues can do. Mm. Um, all the government can do is to give us some broad guidelines and leave it up to the individual businesses, whatever sector you're in, to make the decision as to what you consider to be um, workable and in the best interest either of your business or of your customers and your and your staff. So if you can have people into a stately home or a, a public gardens um, or uh, or a beach or a cinema or whatever then or in a shopping center why shouldn't you why shouldn't you come to a 600 acre outdoor estate where you can keep yourself as far away from the next person as as you like um while there happens to be some um some motor racing going on on the track and so i think it's an innovative approach from from msv and it's it's quite good to challenge that perception that we are a motor racing venue and actually just look at the fact that we are a, an outdoor facility no different to an Alton Towers or a Hampton, Hampton Court.
When racing does return, uh, which is very soon, of course, as you've already uh, alluded to, the championships, I think it's 25 championships that, uh, that BARC are responsible for, are going to be truncated. Um, they're going to be pushed back to back and, and we're going to be going deep into uh, the approach of winter for the end of some of those championships. It's going yeah. to change the team's strategies, isn't it? And, and the way that they approach it and arguably make it incredibly exciting for the, uh, for the fans. Uh, yeah, I think it. I mean, for the fans, obviously, you look at um, you look at touring cars predominantly in terms of our roster, uh, and I think it will be a really fascinating touring car season, starting beginning of August and ending um, in the middle of middle of November, isn't it? The fifteenth or so. So yeah, that's going to be very unusual. The teams are going to be exhausted because they're going to be going back to back for a number of events. Um, uh, it will be a good challenge, I think, for everybody. And you're right, the spectators will have that proper three-month burst of, of all the action that they could possibly have hoped for. I think on the club racing side, it's a bit different. Um, we seem to be seeing, and, and, and we didn't know when we were getting ready to, to go back racing, we, we still really don't know what the level of demand is um, and whether people are, have lost their jobs or don't have the money or potentially don't have the time or or feel that it's wrong to go racing um, but equally you've got that whole pent-up frustration they haven't been able to do all the things that they really enjoy doing um, for uh, for the last few months but you still have to be realistic that at an amateur club sport level you've got uh, you've still got to pay your bills and sticking more than one race meeting in each month, so for each pay packet, um, it takes quite careful consideration. So, if you try and run, try and run nine rounds of a of a club championship, I think in the space of three months, then you see some significant drop off, both in terms of the affordability, but also in terms of the time that people have got to to commit to that. So, we've been trying to work with all the championships to make sure that we can, insofar as is possible, uh, offer all of the uh, the competitors the amount of track time that they want for the rest of the year some of them have stopped being championships and they're going to run a series of um, series of events so un unconnected and not giving any points others have decided that they still want to run a championship and they still want something to go for at the end of it i think at the club racing level it's going to be all about um, having some fun and i don't think that's such a bad thing at all because i think stopping worrying about taking championships too seriously or um or worrying about things that we don't need to worry about it, it would be much better just let's we've we've lost half a year um we've all been through some some people have been through some really super harrowing times um parts of our society have worked themselves to the bone um trying to keep us all safe um and deserve all of our thanks and uh, and really, let's just go and have some fun. See if we can enjoy it. Um, if that's what floats your boat, then then get out there and have some fun. Um, get behind the wheel and do what you've been frustrated from doing for the last three months. I think there's uh, a lot of sympathy and support for that uh, that thought, Ben, absolutely. And just finally, of course, you're based at Thruxton. Um, BIRC is at, uh, based at Thruxton with that fantastic uh, new building uh, that you have there. You must be really looking forward to getting that place up, running and buzzing again. Yeah, it's, um, it's strange to have facilities that have sat empty 
not just offices, um, but facilities like you say, like the Thruxton Centre. Um, we won't have it, unfortunately, up and running as quickly as we'll have the circuit up and running. So our first, our first race meeting here is the last weekend of July, and we've got a CSCC meeting at Thruxton. Um, Croft's first meeting is the is the 12th of July, which is, which is a Bark meeting, um, and um, and Pembrey, I think, is um, uh, I think they've got a bike meeting at the end of July. But yeah, we the hospitality and the catering that you, we're going to have question marks over all of that. So we'll be doing some takeaway services from the kitchen, so you won't even be able to use that lovely swanky building. In the first instance, you'll have to come in, get your food, and then get out again. But we will get there. Um, it, it's just part of the of the reopening up process. We'll we'll make sure we can use that building as much as we can while keeping everybody safe and at a distance, um, and recover what we can from this year. Um, we're we're going to try and treat it all as a bit of a bonus, really. Um, we've lost half a year. Um, we've crammed as much as we can into the second half of the year. Um, we've all sat at home for three months. Um, I suspect if things take off as we hope they might, we might not get to see much of our homes for the next uh, three or four months. It might be it might be quite frantic as we as we try and reco- recover what we've done. But uh, I think we're all looking forward to getting back to a semblance of normality. Um, giving everybody an enjoyable time, letting everybody do what, what it is that they enjoy doing, um, and, but at the same time keeping everybody safe and giving the opportunity to, to be responsible about, about how we go about this. Ben, it's been fascinating to catch up with you. Thank you very much indeed for that uh, insight into what has been going on behind the scenes at the BARC. And uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Lots of people are going to be looking forward to having some fun when racing gets back underway. And uh, the very best of luck for the season when it finally gets going. But for now, Ben Taylor, many thanks. <laughs>